cutting-edge startups and Fortune 500s all in one room talking about how emerging technologies are changing our world. This is The Tech House, and I'm Swish, your host, the CEO of Trufin. Josh is the VP of Marketing at Tokyo Smoke, a brand under Canopy Growth, one of the largest cannabis companies in the world. Tokyo Smoke is a household cannabis brand taking a design-first approach to creating beautiful yet functional products. You've probably seen some of their stores around the city. In the other corner, Onik, the COO and co-founder of TrueFan, my company, a social intelligence platform that helps brands or influencers manage their key followers, sell directly to their top fans, and identify new audiences to target. Communication with your customers has never been more important, but not just in terms of the messaging we use. Josh and Onik are experts in using design as a language. Before the podcast, I had the chance to ask them about how they exactly do that. Josh, what does a quote design first brand mean? It means you take into account all parts of the consumer journey. So many people think of design as creativity and that's part of it, but design is understanding how your consumer is going to interact with your brand or experience. So it's not just making beautiful things for the sake of making beautiful things. It's really trying to understand and help the consumer in their journey, whatever that is. Love that. And Onik, you've talked a lot about design first thinking for product for TrueFin. Is that very similar to, to what Josh is saying? Yeah, absolutely. At Stanford, one of the things they preach most was human-centered design and empathy-focused design. So from what Josh is saying, I think we can draw a lot of parallels there. I think when you're creating a product, the uh, I forget if I think it's the head of product at Slack said, if you can create a product that can be onboarded on a Friday before a long weekend on a sunny day in the summer, you've created a product for success. And I think that really goes to the end user in mind and saying, how can I make this easy and fit into the journey that they want within the product, not the journey that I expect them to have. So 100%, I think it's super applicable and app with what we do at TrueFan. From data breaches to new laws, marketeers need to be on their toes. There's a ton of regulation in the marketing world, especially in the cannabis industry. Today, we're answering a not-so-simple question. How can design impact the way we build communities around our brands? Companies should take a user-first product approach because if they don't, they're just wasting money. Why would you build a set of features that your customers don't want? The best thing to do is listen to your customers, obviously have your own vision, but meld the two together to build something that's best for both worlds. To start off, what are some common misconceptions that both of you get around your jobs? Josh? Yeah, that we smoke weed all yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was leading you right to that answer, but yeah, like, like, that, w- w- speak about that. I mean, it's like saying, oh, you work at an alcohol company. Do you, are you just drunk all day? Like, it's, it's a job. I love my job. I love the industry. I love, you know, and truly believe in the power of cannabis, but it's a job. I'm there at 745 in the morning and I work till 11 at night. Like it's, it's no joke. It's not this relaxed industry. It's crazy right now. Yeah, absolutely. And then Onik? From the startup side, I think people kind of look at, you know, you being 22, social me being 21 is like, oh, like, do you guys just like hang out a lot of the time? Or like, how do you do what you do? Or like, do you just kind of talk about like Gen Z? Are you really trying to push that? And it's like, obviously you and I have certain opinions about kind of the whole Gen Z labeling and some of the issues that come with that. But I think that's kind of a misconception is people not understanding that kind of young people can understand established businesses and emerging businesses and have impact in both and find parallels that can complement, you know, both sides of the spectrum. Definitely. So for Josh, Tokyo Smoke is known for creating a familiar and open environment to talk about cannabis. That is what they're, they're primarily known for. What impact do you think physical environments can have on our behaviors, especially on a mental level? That's 
question leads me into how we started. And we essentially started in a coffee shop because you think about a physical environment and you think about how a physical environment embodies a mood, a feeling, an ambiance. There is nothing more inviting, comfortable than a coffee shop. It's part of your daily routine. It's your go-to. You know the barista that, you you know, they know your drink. You know the community that's there. So again, when you're trying to destigmatize something, when you're trying to facilitate and open up conversation, the physical space of a coffee shop automatically puts people at ease. And so for us, it just set the stage for where we could have these open and honest conversations. It gave us a right to interact with people on a day-to-day basis, whereas a cannabis company who legally wasn't allowed to sell cannabis, cannabis wasn't legal, I had no reason to talk to you every day. Just There just wasn't. But as a coffee shop, all of a sudden, I'm part of your routine. And that physical space was that immediate cue as to what you can expect walking in. There are some cannabis companies, however, that don't have a physical space like that. So physical versus online, do they go hand in hand? Is there a preference that you have over one? My preference is, you know, you guys are much younger than me. My preference (laughs) is always the physical space simply because you can establish that one-on-one relationship. You can build trust. You can read social cues. You can really break down those barriers. Digital, it's necessary. There's amazing ways to use it. It's It's a way you can scale quickly. The way we started was more grassroots, small scale events. Our first shop was 300 square feet in like a fire escape in between two buildings. It was a small physical space, but it was a reason to get people together. And, you know, I think depending on what you're trying to achieve, physical versus digital could go either way. What we need to do was build trust and build community. And the way we could do that was by sitting hand in hand, sometimes literally, with the people around us. So so for both of you guys, obviously, in the cannabis industry in particular, there's been a lot of regulation around marketing, right? That's an understatement. but I think for for each of you guys, what are some of the obstacles that you guys have seen for people to market their products effectively in Canada? I think twofold. One, I think we're seeing a huge amount of distrust in certain social platforms based on data privacy and data breaches. So are Facebook ads now as effective as they once were? Probably not. And then additionally, just based on the, the models and the business models of those large social media companies, it's that you need to put an insane amount of money to try to get to that end person. Um, One of the things that I like to say is that social media marketing is like having this massive field and knowing that there's some seeds in there, but having no idea where they are. So what you have to kind of do is spray and pray and just put water all all over the entire field and hope to find the ones that grow. I think kind of with what we're trying to do with TrueFan is saying, hey, you know, we might not know exactly where the seeds are, but we can show you the kind of four by four square foot plot in 10 to 15 different places in this giant field and water that area, and hopefully you'll find more success. Josh? I think for us, when you look at the cannabis industry, regulations are strict. What are they, by the way, just for people who don't really know too much about it on the most like high level? I'd encourage everyone to read Bill C-45. Highest level, everything has to be age-gated, whether physical or digital, so nothing to minors, nothing that can appeal to minors. You can only speak to brand preference, which is essentially putting your logo on a thing, a non-lifestyle-related thing or product information and education. So factual information about the product you sell or cannabis in general. And that factual information has to correspond to studies that actually prove the efficacy or what you're speaking to, not just a Wikipedia article that says cannabis can do X, Y, and Z. So the sandbox is very small and the amount of sand in the sandbox is even less. What about influencer marketing? Are you guys allowed to engage in that? If an influencer had an age-gated platform, then yes, but otherwise, no, you can't. And as well, you know, there's the question of, as an influencer, is there a lifestyle association if they are speaking to their product? You're not allowed recommendations. You can't have reviews. So 
it's a very, very, very small playing field. Onik, for for TrueFan in particular, two of the the words that that we've been trying to coin are are one to one marketing and and competitive conquest. Can you speak to both of those? Like, what do they mean? Why are they important, especially for for brands in Canada? Absolutely. One-to-one marketing is essentially understanding that having that grassroots relationship on social can be possible. Oftentimes, it is those types of relationships that build trust and really build loyalty between an end consumer and a brand. So being able to do that efficiently and on a platform where that hasn't existed could be a very powerful way for brands to kind of create that relationship. And then kind of competitive or conquest marketing is essentially saying, you know, there are people every day that are having negative experiences with competitors of your brand. Can you be aware of those negative experiences and try to come in and be someone that says, hey, we're really sorry that you had a negative experience at X, at Y, we really hope to help, you know, educate or help show consumers that we care about this. Mm-hmm. You know, would love to tell you more about how we can help with X, Y, or Z. So give like an example to that. I think there's two. I'll give, I'll give them really quickly. One could be like someone complaining about their Mercedes and all of a sudden, you know, they get a, an advertisement to lease a BMW. That's kind of a little bit more interesting, but uh, less grassroots. And then on a maybe more of a grassroots side, for example, let's say my Nike shoe broke. It'd be amazing if Adidas reached out and said, hey, we're so sorry to see your basketball shoe breaking. Would love if we could send you a new pair of our Adidas shoes and you could test it out. That type of action, I'm probably going to see that tell a lot of people about that experience and wear those Adidas shoes with a lot of pride and tell people about that story. So that one-to-one relationship could create huge micro waves across. And if that could be done at scale, I'm sure the ROI on that would probably be pretty good. Got it. And then with the rise of social intelligence, how can brands draw the line between being very personalized in their outreach, but also being like a little creepy? Going back to that that BMW uh, Mercedes example, that might be like, oh, that's really crazy. Like I talked poorly about BMW. Like, why are they getting a car at that's interesting but I, I definitely wouldn't be like someone you know had a had a negative experience or someone's talking a lot about on their timeline about i don't know let's say clothing right and they get an h&m at that's i think that's interesting and that's just part of the way the social platforms work but i think it kind of starts to become creepy when you're going into more metadata i think that's when you start to get things that people mention when you're having a casual conversation like yeah, I was talking to my wife about cat food and all of a sudden I got a ton of cat food ads. And that's really weird because I haven't really Googled anything about cat food. Those types of metadata things that are accessible through certain APIs for some ads platforms, I think that can be creepy. But on the flip side, I think if you do it in a very public way, if someone's talking about the Raptors all the time and the Raptors reach out or a basketball brand reaches out, I'm probably not going to think that's weird because I'm outwardly talking about my passion for that. So I think it's finding the right way to convert on it. Yeah, I think I'm in that camp as well. You know, maybe it's because I've been a marketer for a long time, (laughs) but like ads pay for a lot of the stuff we love, whether it's platforms, events, teams, whatever it is. And so ads, I, you know, are a part of life. They're a part of my life. And I accept that and like that. And if I get a more personalized ad, great, because that's the stuff I'm interested in. But again, I agree that it needs to be something that I'm outwardly searching for versus something I've had in casual conversation. They're like, cool, Alexa's listening. <laughs> Great to know. But, you know, I, I think it's, for me at least, it's part of life and I'm okay with it. It starts to get creepy when, you know, they're actually storing your exact name. You're not just an IP address anymore. And then it verges on the like, okay, how much is too much information that they have? So for both of you guys, very into marketing, 
How do you guys keep up with everything that's changing in the world of marketing? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's, it's again, a little different. We can't use Facebook. We can't boost posts on Instagram, Facebook. You know, Google's not open to us. So a lot of the new emerging technologies, we actually can't make use of. So we have to be strict in terms of the platforms that we look at and what we can do. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people on my team much younger than me who keep me informed about what's going on and what's changing and what we potentially have access to, as well as, you know, we have external media companies and strategists that help us just decipher the landscape, whether it is emerging tech, new partners that are coming on board, things like Twitter is now accepting cannabis advertising. So how do you integrate your plans with what Twitter is allowing us to do? So it is a lot of leaning on the people in my team who are more... Uh, they have the pulse. They have the pulse about <laughs> yeah. what's going on and what's changing, and as well as partners who, you know, that that's what they do. They spend time analyzing the landscape and seeing where we can play. On it. For me, one of the things I try to focus on is areas that I do know well or I'm learning more about and just focusing on that and saying, hey, I might only know three of the industries where what's going on with marketing. And, you know, again, uh, similar to Josh, I'll let my team who I know has, is stronger than me in you know, different areas educate me and, and give me the, the latest scoop on kind of what to be aware of and, and what to be mindful of. Communities are important, regardless of where you build them. For me personally, I've built a huge online community on LinkedIn, and even now, I take enjoyment from being able to reach back out to my community and engage with them in the comments and on my inbox. And the reason I do it is because I want to continue to grow, not only by being able to put out content and hear from them, but to also to be able to listen to the feedback that they're giving me and become better. So after learning about the strict regulations for Canadian cannabis, I wanted to know more about how Josh was able to build such a strong brand recognition with Tokyo Smoke. So we talked a lot about problems, some regulation issues, especially in the cannabis industry. I want to get into solutions and how you can how you can move forward from that. So for Josh, how important is it A, to reward your current customers? And has Tokyo Smoke done anything to do that? It's very important. Again, we are in a restricted industry. So a lot of times the traditional rewards you would provide to your customers, we can't do. You can't incentivize purchasing cannabis. So that's often the biggest reward. The traditional reward structure, loyalty structure that you'd see in a lot of other things like, hey, buy three, get the fourth one free or, you know, like old school stamp card, get your 10th sandwich free. Not happening in cannabis. What's interesting in cannabis is Unlike other industries I've worked in, people are are hyper hungry for and looking for information. And while that's not rewarding a purchase, it's rewarding slash answering what they're actually looking for. And so we give our customers a ton of small scale grassroots events, no matter how big we've gotten, because we know people have these questions. We know they're looking for answers. We want to provide a location and a foundation for them to get that information. It's not related to purchase. It doesn't directly correlate into more sales, but it's the right thing to do for our consumer base. And then for Onyx, you're madly obsessed about product and you you almost speak about product as a brand in itself. How do you go about conveying that level of passion that you have for product to your end customer? Twofold. I think one, if you're, if you're designing the product for them in mind, The goal is that when they start to use it, they just naturally will become advocates for what you've created, right? That's, I think, the dream of any person who builds product is that it's built so well and it's built so much in mind of your end user that they feel so passionate about it to kind of share it with the people around them. And then on the flip side, I think allowing them the tools within the product to share in kind of an interesting and a unique way, right? Like 
you know, a true fan, it'd be really cool is that if, you know, if we worked with the brand and they loved it and they had a friend working in another company, it'd be cool if they could almost even send that person a small data report saying, Hey, I think you'd use, you could, we would love this. Here's your data. And it's coming from them, not even us as a corporation. That might be a really cool way of, you know, incentivizing our end user to share the message and giving the person they're sending to something, some, some value, not only in just being educated about the product, but actually getting some data analytics as well. So for, for Josh, for the Tokyo Smoke campaigns you guys have run, obviously it cannot be done on, on Facebook or Instagram as much. What are some of the campaigns that you guys have run that you're very proud about and some of the lessons you took away from that? A lot of what we do is experiential, and that's the stuff I'm most proud of. So for example, Vanderpop is our female-focused brand. The team that runs that brand put together this Women in Weed event, and we had it in Winnipeg, in Vancouver, in Toronto, in Calgary. And you have 200 plus women coming out on a Saturday to see this panel discussion, have conversations, to open up, to meet each other. And that's hyper powerful. Getting that many people interested about a subject, getting them all out, talking openly about cannabis, traditional KPIs. You look at the ROI, maybe it's not what you would expect from an event, but that's not what we were going for. It's that meaningful impact to people. It is creating brand ambassadors in an industry that is very difficult to do so. So I'm most proud when we can get people out of their houses, off of their screens, interacting in person, asking questions. Like we had a panel about cannabis and sex and these questions, like people did not <laughs> hold back. But that's great to see that yeah. you were creating an environment where people are comfortable talking about this stuff in front of complete strangers. That's what I'm proud of. Do you believe that regulation will go away soon for Instagram and Facebook and for cannabis companies to market on them soon? Depends on the platform. I mean, since legalization, you know, Snap now accepts cannabis advertising, Twitter now accepts cannabis advertising. Is it an inevitability? I don't know, but more platforms are opening up. Is it just a platform thing though? Is it also a federal regulation? It's a platform thing. As long as you can essentially show that you are speaking to only those of consumption age, it's fine. What we're seeing right now is the U.S. still isn't federally legal. So for a lot of the major platforms, until that happens, they're kind of steering clear and it's, you know, each individual platform's prerogative. And then for Onyx, what on the sales end are you the most proud of for TrueFan in terms of what excites you going forward for any of the campaigns that, that you might be managing or working on? Well, we did one really amazing thing with the Raptors recently where we had, uh, we found a top fan. We were able to get them out to game one, filmed a whole thing about it, which was super exciting. It was like a mom and a son. It was a son's 10 year old. Uh, it was his son's 10th birthday, never been to an NBA game before. So that was really cool. Two of the industries that I've kind of been working with on the true fan side are esports and cannabis. So I had a really cool time working with FaZe Clan, uh, one of the biggest esports companies in the world and helping them understand kind of the different topics that their audience was speaking to and allowing them to use those topics to then better cater what they were selling on the e-commerce side. On the cannabis side, we were being working with Supreme and helping them kind of understand some of the campaigns that they've done around Wiz Khalifa and showing them some data on how have those campaigns actually disseminated in the sense of how many people are talking about that partnership and are people through the posts that they're doing actually finding the end brand. So with that kind of quote unquote influencer Wiz Khalifa and his posting are this is actually getting people back to the end brand. I feel so inspired after talking to Josh and Onik. Both of them love product. And more importantly, they love when product is able to meet the concerns and demands of consumers. Way too many brands, I feel, fabricate that idea by thinking that they're building something that consumers want. And then when they roll a product out, they're like, why isn't anyone buying it? 
The only way to be able to get someone to buy your product is when they feel attached to the end result. And a big way of being able to do that is involving them in the process from the beginning. I hope that in the future of product design, we not only take a look at what consumers want right now, but we're able to predict that three to five to 10 years from now. I think right now there are too many brands that are putting all of their bets in hoping that something will pop within the next year or two, but they're not able to predict that future very well. We're going to get right into our rapid fire rounds. This is basically going to wrap up the entire segment. Before getting into that, though, any final remarks from either of you? Um, it could be on emerging technologies, on your guys' work, ways to reach out to you, anything like that. Josh? I think what is interesting will be the convergence of tech and cannabis. It's something that, you know, an industry in its infancy, and you think about everything you hear about is disrupting an industry. So how do you disrupt an industry that's just started? So I'm curious what much younger, smarter people than me are going to come out with soon. Got it. Onik? I've thoroughly enjoyed actually listening to what Josh had to say about product and kind of end user and with within the realm of marketing, because for me, I think that's something that I felt has been really important, but I, I maybe have seen discrepancies between how I think and some of the other large brands out there. So it's amazing to see a brand as impactful and large as, as Tokyo Smoke and obviously now Canopy embrace that type of mentality. That That for me is super inspiring to hear. Cool. All right. Rapid fire questions. All right, Otik, here we go. Brace yourself. Number one, what do you want to see invented in the next 10 years? Be creative. I want to see more tools to help people with physical well-being and mental well-being. Fondest memory of working with true fans so far? 24-hour crazy day that Swish and I took from Vancouver to Toronto to meet Bruce for the first time and pitch true fan. What excites you most about the future of marketing and technology? Being able to better market to users about things that they care about in a way that reaches them more organically. How can Tokyo Smoke and TrueFan work together to merge physical and digital communities? I think just keeping the conversation open as much as possible. I think I've learned an incredible amount from Josh today and just being able to keep dialogue open and finding maybe unique ways of testing certain things or trying certain things because I think you never know until you throw the spaghetti at the wall and you see what sticks. The biggest lesson you've learned from the last year and a half of building TrueFan? That the most interesting insights can come from anywhere and opening your mind to perspectives from all is important, but narrowing those perspectives down to what you feel fits best to the vision that started it all is important. Got it. All right. Great job, Onik. That was very quick. <laughs> Josh, ready? No. (laughs) What do you want to see invented in the next 10 years? This is going to sound kind of analog, but something to actually help us disconnect. What is the single best thing and worst thing about social media? I think it shows you people's highlights and establishes a level that people can't reach but seek to aspire to. Best thing keeps you connected to people you might not have been connected with previously. Got it. Something about the marketing industry that you love, something that you aren't fan of. I love the creativity. Uh, I think getting to storytell is a dream come true for me, something I'm not a fan of. It takes a lot to get things out there. A marketeer or marketing campaign that you are a big fan of? I'm a Nike guy. I love what Nike does. Even small things, how Nike outfitted their London store in England when they were launching the Epic React. No matter where you were in the store, you understood the technology. I bought two pairs. What excites you most about the future of technology? So for me, I'm hoping the future goes in a direction that actually helps people with their day-to-day life, makes things better rather than just distracts. The leadership lesson that puts you over the edge from being somebody that was able to manage people effectively and feel confident in doing that. What was that lesson you learned? Don't solve the problem for people. 
oftentimes my first inclination is to tell people how to do things. The lesson I learned was put them in a position where they can figure it out. And just because it's not done your way doesn't mean it's done the wrong way. All right, cool. Thank you so much to both of you guys for being on the podcast. Where can people connect with you if they have any questions or if they'd like to reach out? Josh? Probably not me directly. You can go to tokyosmoke.com to check out our brand or at tokyosmoke on Instagram. Cool. And then Onik? Truefan.io. And then personally, you can look me up on LinkedIn or Instagram. Pretty accessible on both places. Lovely. You guys have been listening to the Tech House podcast where we bring cutting edge startups and Fortune 500s to the table to talk about their contrasting views on how tech is changing our world. Stay tuned for our next episode. This is your host, Swish, signing off. This podcast is supported by Origins Media House and TrueFan. Origins Media House is a content marketing agency that consistently engages your audience through entertaining podcasts and value-packed videos. It's a group of three hardworking women that are here to be able to allow you to live your life better and learn from some of the best in your market. TrueFan is a fan engagement and discovery platform helping brands identify and reward their top fans as well as find new customers that are primed for conversion. If you're interested in learning more about TrueFan, you can visit us at TrueFan.io or send an email to sales at TrueFan.io.